We at Global Nomad Hacks are peace heroes. By playing Peace and Harmony program during this episode, we help create one million pockets of peace by dissolving stress and tension. To be your own peace hero and get your own copy, go to peaceandharmonydownload.com. Welcome back to Global Nomad Hacks. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you my friend, Amber Trueblood, who she is like the mom with a cause and has she's the expert in parenting on the fly and dealing with the mom overwhelm, which I'm sure none of you have ever experienced, right? Even if you're the dad, the dads have experienced it too, or at least seen their spouses experiencing it. So there's so much that's packed into this. And I wanted to invite Amber to talk to us a little bit about her own experience and her story because it's quite unique, but also sort of help us a little bit with understanding what some of those coping skills are. Because particularly as we're coming out of this period, which I like to refer to as our chrysalis, 2020 was our chrysalis. We're breaking out now. So where are we going and who is this beautiful butterfly coming out? So welcome, Amber, and uh, look forward to sharing you with my audience. Oh, Heidi, thank you so much. I'm really excited to speak to you and your audience. And I think that we can use some of the gifts we've learned from this time in our chrysalis. Chrysalises? What's the plural? I don't even know. Uh, Chrysalis? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And really move in with some hope and some, some feeling of certainty when we've had a long period of time without really feeling certain. And that can be scary. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. And I think we're coming out. But before we get into the coming out, for those who are not familiar with this amazing human being, can you tell us, tell them a little bit of your story about sort of how did you get into the parenting space beyond having your own children, obviously, but parenting on the fly in particular, you are quite the expert at and sort of got thrown into it. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of how did that happen? I will. I will. Well, my background, just to hop back even further, a tiny bit. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And, you know, from the time, probably early high school on, I always knew, you know, we've talked about this before. I wanted to get my PhD in clinical psych. I've just always been fascinated with human behavior and what makes us tick and why we do what we do and why we believe what we believe. And so that's always been where my mind defaults, right? And now cut to fast forward, I ended up having four children. Uh, they're all boys. And right now they are 8, 10, 11, and 13. That's a lot of energy in one house. <laughs> it is a lot. You know, it's so funny too, because when I was having them and I kept, you know, purposely deciding to have children and, and people kept asking me, oh, are you trying for a girl? And it's so funny because at the time I was like privately very offended. Like, why? Like, no, I just want another human. Like, what a lot And it wasn't until they got older that I realized, oh, maybe they were asking because holy moly, four boys is a lot. And I joke with my husband, like, I like you a lot, but holy moly, like five of you in the house with me is, you know, you like me, but do you, can you imagine me, five of me surrounding you all the time? Like, that's a lot for anybody. I don't care how much you like them. But anyway, so I've always been fascinated and I always wanted to help others. And so at one point in my, you know, and I love to learn too. So I'm always reading, reading a ton of books. And when I was, you know, home with all four, we did a lot of traveling because my husband was in the entertainment business. And because of both of our backgrounds from single parent homes, and we were both only children, 
we felt it really important to try to stay together as much as humanly possible. So we made an agreement before we even had children that if his job required travel, we would just all go on the road. So that's what we did. So for even before our tour life, which I'll I'll cut to in a minute, because that's, I think, a little bit more interesting, is we did like three months in Cleveland, three months in Atlanta, three months in New Orleans, three months in, I I don't know, you know, uh, we did Oahu. And that was when they were really little. I had three little ones at that time. And when I had the fourth, I said, I'm out. I'm raising the white flag. I can't do it anymore because he would be working, you know, 15, 16 hour days. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was challenging in a very different sort of way than when we were traveling when they were older. So I can certainly speak to traveling with like little teeny ones and how isolating that can be sometimes. And then traveling with older kids and the different challenges with that. Yeah. I don't know if you want to cut in there or I can hop to the tour. I, I think you can go right into the tour thing because I think, you know, we can circle back on okay. the, the actual physical traveling piece and some of the hacks that you learned there. But I think, you know, it's such a fun story of where, yeah. you know, how you ended up and go ahead. Certainly. Well, so my, my husband and I, neither of us are physicians, uh, physicians, musicians. We're not physicians either, <laughs> but that's not what I meant to say. He's a photographer. And so, but all our kids play music and play instruments. And my oldest was, a, is a drummer. And so neighbors and friends, of course, knew that. And at one point, somebody reached out and said, oh, there's a Broadway musical that has been in New York for three years, and they're doing really well, and they're opening a touring company, and they're casting for it right now. And you should definitely send in a video of Cameron playing drums, because they want kids who are mus- musicians first, and then they you know, are teachable for the singing and the acting and the, all the other stuff. So you know, my husband, being a photographer, every single thing in our house is recorded at all times. And so I had about a bazillion videos. So I shot one over to them. I said, ah, whatever. Long story short, they wanted to see him. They wanted him to, you know, send back tapes of him acting and singing. And so we put it together. My husband being in the entertainment world, like knew how to throw something together like that. I wouldn't even have known how to start. And then we all went to New York for his audition because I thought it was going to be a funny story one day about how he auditioned for a Broadway show and that that would be the end of that story, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) And we had never taken the boys to New York. So we pulled them out of school for a week, which I think is indicative of the type of personality, right? Like, hey, this is an opportunity. It's an educational experience, right? And I also wanted to alleviate some of that pressure for, I think he was nine or 10 at the time of, you know, flying across the country from Los Angeles to New York for a 15 minute audition spot. That's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, if the Tuesday afternoon at two o'clock is just a side tidbit of a whole week's worth of activities, you know, won't feel like so much pressure and such a big deal for a 10 year old. And so we did that. And as a joke, kind of a half joke. I said, well, I've got some other kids that play music. Do you need any more kids? So they actually let my eight-year-old who played piano audition as well, even though he was too young officially for the role, but it kind of got them on him on their radar. So I'll fast forward six months later, he was offered a role. We had two weeks to pack up, make arrangements, put our house on VRBO. We had had like a nanny at the time, a part-time nanny. So 
I had her take over like management of VRBO. I have to do that from the road. Came kind of like a house manager. And then we hit the road, all six of us. And with, you know, nine, the checked bags range from nine suitcases to 12, depending on if it was winter when we were, you know, where we were going or summertime. And, you know, with that, we had literally, you know, five scooters, helmets, six skateboard or maybe five skateboards, pads, you know, those are the kinds of things we were traveling with, you know, and then some clothes and like one pair of shoes each. <laughs> you know, that was and and maybe a suitcase or two full of books because I like real books. So it was ridiculous the the amount of baggage. And so what that looked like was every week, virtually every week was a different city in the US or Canada. And none of them were necessarily logistically close to one another or related because that's not how they make those plans. They're just all over the place. So you might be in Austin, Texas one week and then the next week be in Cleveland and then the next week be in San Diego and then the next week be in Boston and then you might be in Portland. I mean, all only a few locations were close enough that you could actually drive because the schedule was such that it's it's a regular Broadway schedule. So they do eight shows a week. You have Mondays off. And then a show every day during the week, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, two days, two shows on Saturdays, two shows on Sundays. Wow. Then you pack up, you travel on Monday. So Mondays were known as like travel days. And that was like embedded in your head. You sign a six month contract. And unless the kid gets too old, like too tall all of a sudden, or their voice changes or something like that, there were all these little caveats. But, uh, and we ended up enjoying it so much that we, ex- well, he was offered an extension of his contract. We said, yes. And then he was offered. So that was the second six months. And then he was offered another extension. And my second son was offered a role. So the last four months of the production, both of my two oldest were in the show. And nice because then for airfare and they pay for a hotel for one guardian for each child and for the children. So that made the travel arrangements easier. But because it was a, a tour, other families that were road, you know, they schedule the hotels and the airlines and you can out and decide to schedule it yourself and take like a certain, you know, they'll say, oh, this, you know, this flight was $120. So you can either opt out, take that and use it, get there how you see fit, or you can use the company flight. And so because there were six of us, it was often easier, either logistically or cheaper financially to schedule it myself. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them on the roads, finding a VRBO, finding finding a residence in, rent two cars per location because we did not fit with all our luggage in one car, no matter how much somebody tried to convince me otherwise. Well, six people, places. you don't. There's just no way. They all would cars are made for five. Like, oh, this will- it in the minivan and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to try to take a deep breath. It actually won't. You're welcome to try, but I really don't have time to watch you sweat my luggage for an hour and a half. So we need two rental cars, you know, and then some cities we'd get there with two rental cars and it would turn out, you know, it was a walking city and we didn't need a rental car. And, you know, it was a lot of learning on the road and learning, you know, some cities I was really dying to get to and, you know, had very difficult experiences there. And then other cities I was dreading 
and had wonderful and amazing experiences there. And I would imagine this whole time you were having to homeschool your kids, right? Oh, yeah. And so, oh, yeah, that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. You know, I mean, yes, you were their travel agent. You're their mother. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you're having to coordinate meals. You're having to coordinate all of these things and getting them to their work, you know. So, I mean, there's so many different things that you need to unpack there. I mean, you must be like right. the hack master on some of these. But I think one of the things that I'm kind of curious about is, you know, you obviously had to prioritize. There were some things that probably it was like, you know what, we don't need to do that. You know, exactly. this is this is what we've got to get done. What are some of those things that you felt like, okay, they're not that important? And then there's other things yeah. that really rose to the top, that bubbled to the top for you. Heidi, that's such a good question because it, it pulls back to what I what I talk to my audience about a lot right now is it's important in life to get so incredibly clear on what's important to you. Like what matters to you at the end of the day? What if you have children? What kind of humans do you want to raise? What skills do you want them to have? And what knowledge do you want them to have? Because we, if you do that kind of inventory, you often find that your time and energy and resources are spent in ways that don't really align with that. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's where frustration and overwhelm expand. So when what's important to you is not aligned with how you're spending, you have limited time, limited energy, and limited resources. So if you're spending 50% of that on stuff that you don't really care about, you're not going to be really frustrated. So the more you can align, get really clear on what's important to you, and then focus that time, energy, and resources on that, holy moly, you're like, oh, I'm happy. Now, other people might be irritated with you because they might not understand. But at the end of the day, who cares, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they don't have to live with your kids. They don't have to live with your partner. You do, you know? So in those decisions from a point of clarity, and then obviously, you know, if there's another adult, you have your partner there, the more you're aligned and the more you can say, okay, you like to do this. I like to do that. You're good at this. I'm good at that. And create a division of labor that feels aligned with your skill sets and feels fair, so to speak, helps as well. So like I found that it would take me three hours to completely move us out, to pack us up out of like, say out of an Airbnb. So whether that was like a, you know, Monday morning, typically three hours, I couldn't get it under three hours because you have to leave these places like spotless. Now you got to take out the trash. You got to like, you got to sort it. (laughs) So the kids would have certain things they needed to do, but at the end of the day, I needed them out. I needed them out. I needed my laptop with friends reruns playing. And then I could just get into the zone and take care of it. And then my husband would take all of them out on some sort of adventure, get them out, get them physically moving, go explore something, go see the museum one more time before we were leaving, whatever. And then we'd meet up when I was done and we'd, and we'd hit the road. So we learned along the way, the best way for us to maneuver those travel days, which could be extremely difficult. We also found Uh, This is a a hint for couples. The night before travel days was a really smart time to hang out in a romantic-y sort of way because we found we both were less tense and more likely to be sweet with one another during travel day. And, And it's true. And I realized, huh, why is this travel day going smoother? Ah, okay, good to know. I'm gonna use that in the future. And it's silly, but it's but it's true, you know. So knowing yourself. 
What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to, I was going to agree with you. Absolutely. Actually, I had the only thing I was going to ask you in the middle is like, how do you find couple time? Like, how do you make sure that that happens? Because when you're transitioning constantly, it can be very easy to let that fall through the cracks, especially when you have young kids. And when our kids were smaller, we had a nanny when they were really small, we had an au pair and found that it was absolutely critical for us to have one day a week that was just, you know, a scheduled date night. And it sort of kept that continuity because otherwise you're just in like coping mode constantly. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. When I had my third, I had a doula who was Mm. like a genius, like a magical genius. She had raised 11 children, uh, nine adopted and, uh, and two biological. Wow. She's fascinating. I mean, I've tried to get her on my podcast. She's so dang busy, but she's a genius. And she told me, she said, you know, you have to schedule a non-negotiable weekly date night, even if that's just to walk around the block together or go sit in the car in the driveway because you're too tired to go to a restaurant. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Having that time every single week, she gave me stats, something like people with three or more kids have like a 75% divorce rate. I don't even, I don't know that that's a true stat, but it was something really, really scary, high. And so, and because Amy and I, my husband are both from families that had multiple, lots of, I think we had like nine divorces between us, all our parents. And so we took it really, we took the fragility, the potential fragility of a relationship really seriously and not taking it, but just like, this is, it's tough, it's tough world. And so we're not going to take it for granted, you know, and that was a gift I think for us because then we didn't let things get too far, you know, we took it seriously and then when we were on the road, it was very difficult. We couldn't, you know, get a sitter. Though we, we did a couple times because we got to really know the other people that we were traveling with. So there were some times, but mostly it was, it was also a mutual respect that bonded us because we were working so well together. And it was almost like a potentially traumatic experience, even though it was fun, it's very intense. So seeing you guys can seeing now potentially, wow. We got through something really challenging that we never could have anticipated. And yes, there were gifts in it, but there were also really a lot of difficulties in it. And wow, I admire how you handled this. And so with that mutual respect, I think that helped bond us through times when we could have easily grown further apart and been more disconnected. So so yeah, it was a lot of traveling. Oh, so you mentioned virtual schooling. So yeah. that was one of the things where I had to decide what my priorities were. Mm-hmm. And I obsessed with education. My kids are really avid learners. And so it was really important to me. What I've asked myself about education is, and come to the conclusion of, is that what's most important to me is that my kids continue to love more than anything else, more than what they learn. I want them to keep that love of learning alive. So with that as kind of my main, my main beacon, you know, um, I had their math uh, tutor, a math tutor that we Skyped with or Zoomed with once a week. Now in some cities, we couldn't get the Zoom to work and it, or we, our schedule was too crazy and we'd just skip it. We'd let it go. You know, Mm. I remember being in, uh, I think it was Seattle and my youngest who was probably six at the time, was on Zoom. 
And it was like, it was breakfast time at the same time, but that was the only time he could Zoom with the math tutor. And so he was sitting there eating a, a sandwich or a pancake or something. And the, and the teacher was like, okay, great. Grab, grab a knife, you know, cut it in half. And then they did fractions and they just did a fraction lesson there. And so having somebody who this two, who also is like a part-time actor. So he was so enthralled with what we were doing. He was happy to like be flexible and do whatever he could to support. Um, so that was helpful too. Cause some people that wouldn't work for them, you know? And so I knew I wanted them to keep up with their math. I wanted them to read all the time and read both fiction and nonfiction. We don't do um, devices or video games. So they, um, and they don't have cell phones and, and they're not teenagers yet. So they weren't really, and I think boys are different than girls in this too. So they had each other to play with. There wasn't this like, oh, I miss my friend. I'm missing what's going on. I need to use, you know, social media or devices to keep in contact. There wasn't that draw, you know? I remember at one time being like, do you miss your friends at school? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, tell me who you're missing and I can, you know, facilitate connecting with them. And they were just like, just any of them, everybody, I don't know. <laughs> you know? And so I just thought they just want playmates. They weren't really missing a specific connection. But so for me, that schooling and educating became math once a week. It became a lot of reading and it became exploring the cities that we were in. So if there was an amazing you know, science museum, we'd go there. And before we left, actually, you know, the Bay Area Discovery Museum right by yep. you. We have a membership there because one of my friends was director there and we've spent a lot there and love it. And turns out they have this reciprocal relationship with almost every science center and children's museum, probably on the flipping planet, no, but yeah. certainly all over the US. And so we got in free, yeah. all six of us, to all these museums. And we I I added it up. We went to an average of uh like the like three museums a week. And often they were like when we were at the Franklin Center, I think in um, DC, where's that? Philadelphia. And they were obsessed with that place. We probably went every single day that week. Or when we were at the Rock and Roll Museum, and I mean, they would spend hours, hours reading and analyzing and watching, you know, all of this stuff. So I added up what our savings were if I had paid out of pocket for all of those museum visits. And it was like, $5,300. Oh, yeah. No, we used to have uh, the, you know, Museum of Science from Boston. We used to have our, mm -hmm. our membership there. And, you know, we went there probably once a year um, when we were in town visiting my mother, but we used the reciprocity program everywhere. And it's, you know, it's so worth it. It's like it's zoos, it's, you know, children's museums, it's science centers, it's, you know, and, and it's a great way to usually if you go into, I can't remember what the reciprocity program is. So usually there's a couple of them, but wow. you know, it's a great way to discover a new city because you can sort of look up the city and say, well, what do you have here? You know, and, and it's not just you know, going to a place and be like, does this program work? It's more like, where does this program work? And might take you to someplace you haven't even thought of yet. So yeah, exactly. those, those, uh, those systems are really, really great. And, and absolutely everyone should take care, take advantage of them because that's what they're there for. And then even seeing like, I knew we were going to be in Lexington. Was it Lexington? No. Uh, oh gosh, I'm forgetting what city, but it was somewhere like an hour and a half away from Mammoth Caves, Kentucky. 
And that had been on my list to take these boys. And I was like, we're going to be so close. We have to go. And unfortunately, like my kid that was in that, my oldest who was in the show couldn't go, like he had rehearsals. Mm. So he stayed home with my husband and I took the other three. Um, And we also knew, I mean, that's another lesson is like, not everything is going to be fair, right? Or if one kid is sick and they can't go to the zoo, they stay home with one parent, like, we weren't, we're not about having to make everything equal because we'd drive ourselves insane. And so it's just like, man, that's a bummer. Sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, you, you have this other opportunity your brothers don't have. So, you know, everybody feels different, different things at any different given time. Right. So we, you know, we got to go and explore those caves or when we were in Colorado, we drove out of town and, and went rafting. And when we were up in, um, you know, Toronto, you know, we were in Toronto for six weeks during winter, Ooh. which is a whole nother story and almost made me want to escape the tour because I couldn't handle it. SAD in action, right? Seasonal affective disorder. I, That's a dark place in the winter. I had a whole nother level of understanding of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, that I had never felt before. And gray for six weeks when you've grown up in Southern California will, and I mean, granted, I don't think it's good for anybody, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. Oh, and I hear you. I mean, I lived in Sweden and um, yeah, that's why we moved. That's why we ended up moving. I, I loved the people, loved the place, couldn't deal with the darkness. It changes the way people are. And, and that can be really, that's something a lot of people don't take into account when they're looking at location to go mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and season to go visit places and just sort of what your expectations are, but also what kinds of things you can do to counter it, to mm-hmm. make sure that you do stay healthy and safe. And, and, and I mean that more from a psychological perspective, mm-hmm. because it can be, you know, seasonal affective disorder is not something to mess with. It's, it can be really, really rough. Um, uh, you know, and the regular, you know, I was, to the uh, nomadic life is the regular life things that happen while you're on the road. So, you know, my, my stepfather had been struggling with cancer and there was a point at which I got a phone call and realized, oh shoot, this is not a regular few days in the hospital. Like this is, this is happening. Mm -hmm. And we were in Memphis at the time. And my mom was such that she, she would never, she's just not the personality who would call and say, I need you. Mm-hmm. I need you to come home. Um, she would say, oh, you've got all this. There's no way it's possible. You, da, la, la. you know, she would just never do that. And so um, I have a, a house who actually is not related to my mom, but she, they're close. And she was in LA at the time. And I called her and I said, do you think I need to, do you think I need to come back? And she said, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I got it. And so within two days, but we had, we were all traveling together. No easy, it took two adults to make this happen. So, and I didn't know I would need to come back to Los Angeles. So this, this is kind of funny story. So, well, not funny. I don't know. Interesting, I guess yeah. I'll say. Well, it's how um, do you we manage a swoop when you're on the road, right? Yes. Yes. So we had to do the swoop. Um, and so I got tickets for myself and my three younger children. To, to return back to LA so, and tried to divide up all the luggage so that it was something my husband and my oldest could maneuver and I could maneuver with three. And um, so I scheduled a flight for like 7 a.m. on a Saturday and, you know, packed up our stuff. And, and then I, um, 
So we had to get up like super, super early and we were staying in downtown Memphis. So I just figured, okay, I'll get up this time, get everybody out the door. So just getting everybody and all the luggage down to the curb by whatever it was, 5.30 in the morning was like, yeah, I did this. Like this is a tremendous accomplishment. You're feeling all proud. I get on my phone. There is not one Uber, no Lyft, taxi. I cannot find anybody to take us to the airport. Oh no. And at this and we didn't have a car in Memphis because we were staying right in downtown and we just walked everywhere. So I finally get a taxi, a guy who says, get us. And he, you got to pay me first though, because he's thinking, you know, I'm going to hop in the next car I can get, which was probably true because I'm going to miss it potentially. So I give him my, you know, I give him the credit card number. I'm hoping he shows up. Meanwhile, there's all kinds of people who've been drunk and walking around Memphis all night, walking by, you know, making conversation with me and my little ones outside on the corner. So, so sketchy. And so finally he up and I'm thinking there's no, okay, I got to try like the odds that make it through are so but I'm staying calm. And so the kids stay calm. And, and, uh, the guy, the guy sees us with all our stuff and he goes to open the trunk. It's a sedan and it won't open. (laughs) It won't open. He cannot get it open. And I'm thinking he's going to take one look at us and all of our luggage and say, sorry, like I tried. Um, this guy, I mean, bless him. He, he's like, we'll make it work. He shoved shoved so many bags in right around him. I was like, I don't think this is safe. We all shoved into the back seat. I mean, who knows if anybody had a seatbelt on? I mean, it was the most ridiculous thing. I tried to make a video of it, but it was so early. It was still dark. So in the video, you can only see eyeballs and, you know, amidst all these bags. So we get to the airport. We check in. Of course, I'm so frantic. I forget to give them my, t- to double check they have our TSA numbers. So we're not in TSA. So all of a sudden security, you know, 75 back. And, and I asked the security guard plane, Hey, our flight really supposed to close the doors in 15 minutes. Like, is there any way you can, you know, get us, help us get to the front of the line? She goes, you can ask somebody. I was like, okay, deep breath. So I take a deep breath and I say, excuse me. I'm traveling with three little kids. We're about to miss our flight. Does anybody mind if we come ahead? Everybody moved over simultaneously. Let us scurry to the front. It was amazing. Awesome. I mean, I think for the like desperation in my voice, but they just did it. You know, they just were human and sweet about it. We ran through, I had to take my shoes off, but they didn't thankfully. Um, and you know, my youngest one couldn't run as fast as we could. So I'm holding him. I'm holding my shoes. I'm yet my nine-year-old just run to the gate, run to the gate and tell them we're coming. And by this time we had, they'd been through this so many times. Like they, you know, they had it down, they had it down and they go, we actually make it on the plane. We sit down and I just think, holy crap. Like, I cannot believe we made it on this flight. It is incredible. We get there. I have my babysitter meet me at my mom's house, take the kids. I go straight to the hospital and, and my father passed that night. Wow. Well, and I was able to be there with my mom and it was just, it was amazing. 
You know, it, it's really quite incredible when, you know, when urgency happens and and people, you know, it does bring out the human in people so that people make it happen. You know, whether it was your cab driver or whether it was the people in the airport, like there, there's this wonderful sense of humanity and people realize when, you know, it, it just needs to happen because at some point it's going to be you, right? right? And, and, um and I think that the whole thing with the swoop, it's, you know, when you know it's time to go, you know it's time to go. There's something about, you know, the importance of being there. And 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 sometimes you don't need to go. I, th- I think there's, there's also recognizing that, you know, it, it sort of goes back to the the old, you know, adage about, you know, crying wolf. There's, there's certain people that are like, I need you, I need you, I need you. And you're like, I don't think you really need me. What you need is attention. And I'm not the one to give it to you right now. And then there's others who never ask for it, like your mother, who you just had that sense of like, I need to go. And right. and clearly you made it happen. So it's really, it's really beautiful, but it is, it can be extremely challenging for those of us who have sort of a nomadic life. I, I know for, for my husband, for example, he wasn't able to make it back to Sweden uh, when his father passed away. And I, I know that that's something that he will always, it has it, it always sort of haunted him that he wasn't able to get there in time. And, you know, we went, but he had already passed. And we were there for his, his mom, but we stayed in Sweden and lived in Sweden and, and, and he, you know, didn't move back to the States um, until after she had passed because he, he just didn't want that to happen again. And yeah. I think that there's there's something about being people in the being with the people that are important to you in those moments that, um, you know, no matter how nomadic you are, there's something about that call to call back to base, if you will. Right. Um, and knowing that those things are going to happen, I think, and you can anticipate like something random is going to happen like that. Or even, okay. you know, when when we were in Toronto and I was, you know, not stoked to be there and had no idea. And at the time, we also had been managing some investment properties. And so when you we were talking about escrow before the call, and I went through, I think, five escrows during the year and a half we were on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the one that we went through when we were in Canada, um, the people involved forgot that we were not in the United States and then you cannot do a wire transfer from a non-US bank. And I, I'm at the embassy, I'm doing all of these things. And, uh, but I was so miserable in Toronto. I was like, I'll drive to Niagara Falls, New York. No <laughs> you problem. go girl. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta take the afternoon off and drive. I don't care if I have to drive six hours today. If it means driving out of the city, I'm happy to do it. And it was a mental health day for me. Like just, I want to be quiet and I want to be driving away from this city. <laughs> and even if it just means sitting at a Bank of America in Niagara Falls for 20 minutes signing papers. And that's what I did. <laughs> well, and, and I think, you know, to your point, it, it's also recognizing when you need to swoop for yourself yes, um, yes. And, and that self-care. And I know that's a lot of what you work with on your Stretch Marks podcast and your, you know, the the work that you're, you're doing with women that are overwhelmed. Um, a lot of that is trying to understand, like, you know, when you've got all these multiple balls in the air and, and some of them are caring for your children, some of them are caring for your properties, some of them are caring for your partner. Finding moments of joy for yourself and peace, 
What are some of the things that that you've done that really can translate? Because I think particularly in the last year, when everybody is physically in the same place, that mobility has has been limited, but now we're coming back out of it. What are some of those things that you have really learned um, that are, you know, sort of critical for self-care? Yeah. Okay. So some of the tips I love to give, and, and you just called one to mind that I was talking about with people a lot at the beginning of kind of lockdown world, which also applies to traveling with your family world, because there's a lot of similarities. Um, because you don't have those breaks to go to the gym or the breaks to have lunch with your girlfriends or the weekend or, you know, any of that or soccer practice or sleepovers, you know? So to me, there are a lot of, there's a lot of overlap in the skills that can be helpful and effective in traveling and helpful and effective when you're kind of um, limited in your social options at home. And so one of the things, um, specifically related to overwhelm. So in addition to like, are your, is your time and, and energy aligned with what's important to you? Another part of overwhelm is, you know, people are overwhelmed by different things. So, and what I mean by that is some are very visually, visual oriented people. Some are auditory. I'm very auditory. Like I like to talk, but if it's just really loud noise or it's sound effect noise or it's animal noises or it's repetitive noises, as you can tell, this happens in my house a lot and it drives me nuts. Um, I could talk for three hours straight, but holy moly, if it's too loud and it's not regular words that have meaning, I can't handle it. You don't it. like that. Mom, 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 mom. We call it the banana principle. You can say it three times before it becomes annoying. It doesn't matter what the word is. It's the banana principle. Any word said more than three times becomes annoying in my house. That's my definition. <laughs> no, banana principle, non-stop. <laughs> so, so I think being aware of your overwhelm and maybe your partner or your kids so one way to create space, emotional space and mental space is to be aware of how you get overwhelmed. So for instance, if you're a visually oriented person, then a lot of clutter, a lot of mess, even a lot of pictures on the wall, bright colors could overwhelm you. And I think everybody right now, our level of tolerance and patience is, is lower than normal because we're not, we're not enacting the same amount of self-care that we normally would have available to us. So finding simple ways to, you know what, I'm gonna clear off this table, I'm just gonna throw everything in this drawer or the garage or closet, just having less visual stimuli around you might help you mm -hmm. if you're in that category. Now, if you're auditory like me, it might be wearing, I don't know if I have them near me. I have, because I have a several drummers in the house now, by the way, um, I have these earphones that are, you know, noise, they're not really noise canceling. Yeah. yeah, but they help. And I will often just wear them around the house mm. to just slightly mute. I always say, if please somebody could invent the opposite of hearing aids, I will, I would buy the second, just turn down because my hearing is just too acute for this house. You know, so how how can you use your sensitivity to sounds to help lower your emotional and mental level of overwhelm? So maybe that means putting on music that calms you mm -hmm. and gets your nervous system to, to chill out a little bit. Maybe that means my, my favorite tip that I've been doing lately is taking a shower in the middle of the afternoon, like literally 
like 3.30, I'd be like, I'm going in the shower. I just, I will just hop in the shower and it has changed. It has made me so much more pleasant to be with for the remaining hours of the day. Cannot tell you. And I don't know if it's like this in most houses, but nobody says, why are you taking a shower now? Why do you take one in the morning? Like they don't care. Um, and I realized I don't, I don't have to explain myself anyway. <laughs> you know, I could say, well, I just peed on myself. So I have to take a shower. I don't I'll make up. I don't care. You know, hop in the shower and take 10 minutes or 15 minutes to yourself to breathe. And this is not time to then ruminate on what you did wrong that morning or the meeting you were late for, how you looked weird on the Zoom or what you said wrong. Like this is, or stress out about the future. This is time to try to get focused on the present. And if Mm -hmm. you're like me and you have a hard time slowing down your brain, then you just can enact some simple, like I, I do mantras a lot and affirmations. And so I have my ones that I do in the shower every time. And sometimes I'll be like 10 minutes into my shower, buzzing in my head before I realize, oh, wait, 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 I'm in the shower. I forgot. I forgot. Uh, And sometimes I will just say, I am in this moment. Mm -hmm. I am am in this moment. I am in this moment (laughs) to remind myself because I'm up in my head so often so I think knowing what you need to calm your nervous system, yeah, I, my key audience that I try to reach overwhelmed moms because I feel like that's my best chance at changing the world for the better. Because I think when you have women that are aligned with what's important to them and what's valuable to them and treating themselves well and with self-kindness and compassion and grace, then they're more likely to be more compassionate parents and they're more likely to raise a next generation who have the confidence and compassion and kindness to, you know, creatively solve problems. Um, and so then I think those people are going to be, be the people in the future that can then solve our world's problems and communicate effectively and kindly with people who maybe don't have the same opinions and thoughts as they do. And, and so for me, that's like, that's my means to an end because, you know, I'm not a politician and I'm not anonymous and I'm not a physician. I'm not going to be saving lives in the ER, but if I can do this, if I can help moms say, you know, not only do you deserve to treat yourself well and to feel healthy and calm and kind and patient, um, but but you have to take care of yourself because really that's the only way you're going to be able to sustain yourself for the years, <laughs> right? All the time and energy it's going to take to raise the type of children you want to raise. And I'm guessing if you, if they have to be in, this is how I think about it. You know, I have to be around these people for 18 years minimum. And then I would love to like hang out with them when we get older. I would love to like do vacations together and hang out. And if I raise a bunch of like rude, disrespectful, like no sense of humor, no ability to communicate with people when you disagree, that's going to be really a bummer for me. So (laughs) I want to raise the type of people that I want to hang out with that are going to be like fun and interesting and challenging and and kind. So that's like where I put all my energy. I love that. And I think, you know, I mean, as you know, my kids are a little bit older. I've got an 18 and 20 year old or almost 20 year old. 
but one of, and I love hanging out with them. They're, they're such a delight to hang out with, but I think, you know, sort of the goal for me at this point is to create a space that they want to come back to. And I just, I love, I love seeing what they're inspired to do and what, you know, the sort of the things that they choose, but absolutely one of the things that uh, to sort of build on what you said that I've found in particularly in the last two years and, and really even more so this past year because of all the craziness was really their appreciation for my being human. Um, and they're, you know, so in, and what I mean by that is that they're showing my own weakness and not feeling like I have to be superhuman for them because we're more on the equal as equals where they sort of go, Oh, okay, well, that's hard. And, 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 you know, and appreciating that not being just like, well, you can do anything. I'm just going to give you any more, you know, more tasks and more tasks and more expectations. It's more like, Oh, well, that's not really fair of me to ask, or maybe just having more gratitude for the extra effort that it takes sometimes. So yeah, the parenting in different phases is so fascinating. And the the incredible humans that we're creating and, and creating ones that we enjoy hanging out with is so, it, it's a delight. And so I, I commend you on the incredible work you've done. I'm afraid we've run out of time. And I know we could go on for a whole nother episode. And I think we might have to when your next book comes out. But I want to make sure that before we log off, that uh, I can direct people to learn more about what you're doing and how they can connect with you if they want to learn more or participate in some of your groups. So can you share a little bit about how we direct people to that? Because don't want to miss out. Yes. Well, if you love podcasts, this is why I have Stretch Marks, the podcast um, with all interesting guests that we explore all kinds of topics. But um, the overlapping theme is that it's all to serve overwhelmed moms. It does apply to any humans. And then ambertrueblood.com is my all kinds of interesting um, courses uh, available there. And I also have, I just started um, a private Facebook group that's called That Awesome Moms Group. So check that out as well if you, and I do videos almost every single day that come out um, on a variety of topics. And I, I always like to really circle back to practical tips, like simple things you can actually use, um, but also encourage people to be really honest with themselves about what's going to work. Cause like what's going to work for you is not going to work for everybody else and vice versa. So like, I don't assume all of my stuff is going to work for anybody. Just, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. So, but I, that's why I always like to provide lots of different alternatives and suggestions to people and then give you the authority. Cause you know, I don't know what's important to you right now in your life and what you value and so, uh, but I so appreciate this time. And I think that, yeah, we could have, we, we could keep going, Absolutely. but it's been really fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been super fun. And I just, I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and appreciate you and just thank you for being you and for creating those wonderful boys with your partner, of course. And uh, look forward to hearing more as your next book comes out and we'll have to get you back when that comes out. Um, thank you, Global Nomads, for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did and you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do because there's all kinds of great episodes coming up and and I wouldn't want you to miss those. And if you did really enjoy the show, we always appreciate a rating and review. Just let us know so we can give you a little love back. 
And uh, if you didn't catch her links, don't worry. You can find them in our Global Nomad Hacks Hacks section on our website. And there's all kinds of other great resources for global nomads there. So don't forget to check that out. So I guess we're run out of time for now, but thank you all for being here. And we look forward to next time. Bye-bye for now. 